So this morning, our scripture reading comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. This passage will be projected on the screens behind me, and we're going to be using the New Revised Standard Version. But there are also pew Bibles in front of you uh, that are also of that same version. And you can also use your own Bible, or if you have an electronic device and want to bring it up on version or something like that, that would be cool too. Um, so one of the things that I want to do different this morning as we read Scripture is I want to give you a little homework. Um, and I don't, were the Lexio Divina sheets handed out before you came in? If you, okay, uh, some of you got them, some of you didn't. If you did get them, the scripture verse is printed on the back. Um, but, but what I would like you to do is as we read this passage, I want you to try to count as many blessings as you possibly can. So Paul's going to list all kinds of blessings that we have from God. And I just want you to try to get a numerical count. And then after we read the scripture, I'm going to have a few of you kind of shout out your answer, okay? So just try to keep a running tally uh, this morning. Again, uh, this is Ephesians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Just as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him in love. He destined us for adoption as his children through Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of his glorious grace that he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace that He lavished on us. With all wisdom and insight, He has made known to us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure that He set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to gather up all things in Him things in heaven and things on earth. In Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. In him also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in Him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of His glory. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So, if you look at that very first verse that we read this morning, um, the idea of blessing is mentioned three times, just in one sentence, signaling that it's the main idea of the whole passage. According to Paul, those who want to follow Jesus are called to count their blessings and to be a blessing to others. 
And to get us thinking about how blessed we really are, because we often forget, don't we? He reminds us of some of the most incredible gifts that God gives to all believers. And He reminds us that we are blessed. So as an experiment, I wanted you to try to count all the blessings that you saw in that passage. And I want to know maybe if two or three of you might be willing to shout out. How many did you count this morning? Ten? Five? One more? Twenty-two. Okay, so we've got different numbers here, right? So in doing this simple exercise, we discover that what seems like a simple task of counting blessings is more challenging than we anticipated. It may feel like searching for the correct number of squares in one of those Facebook puzzles. Do you know what I'm talking about? They give you a drawing that looks like this, and then they ask you to count all the squares, and there are large squares and small squares and squares inside of squares. And after spending time carefully counting, you write your answer in the comment box only to be told by the person who posted it that you were wrong. And that really bothers me, because then when they tell me that, I'm like, okay, well then what's the answer? And they're like, we can't tell you. And I'm like, I can't verify that I'm wrong. Right? And this may be how you feel when you're counting the blessings in Ephesians chapter 1. You uncover one blessing only to find another one, and then another one, and another one. Now, while we may have missed a few in this passage when we were counting this morning, there are several that are just really obvious. And as I mention them to you, because I'm going to go over them quickly, I encourage you not to just hear them with your ears, but I want you to let it go from your head into your heart. Let it register on your consciousness and feel the blessedness of God, the goodness of God. Ponder them in your heart and ask, what does this mean for me? And how do these gifts change me and shape the entire trajectory of my life, even into eternity. Okay, so are you ready? Now, if, if, if I say something that blesses you, it's okay to say amen, right? No one's going to get mad at you. So number one, God chose you in Christ before the foundation of the world. This means... That before God knit you together in your mother's womb, God knew your name and could see your face. Are you awake, church? God loved you and adored you before you were even born into this world. And God chose you for a unique purpose in His rescue mission of this world. Did you hear that? You were loved and adored and given an incredibly significant purpose before you were ever born. And if that claim does not arrest your attention and stop you dead in your tracks, you might want to check your pulse because you're probably dead. Or you don't believe it. But the Bible says it's true. It's an astonishing claim. Astonishing. Here's another one. God destines you for adoption as His beloved child. In other words, God created you for the purpose of including you in His family. Your destiny has always been to belong. If you're sitting next to somebody, look at them and say, I belong. 
Belonging is incredibly important. And I know there's not a lot of people here, guys, but you can just shout across the room. Say, I belong. God created you to belong in His family. Your destiny has always been to belong in God's family. To be loved as a child in God's family. And let me tell you, there's more than that. God has redeemed you in the death of Jesus. In other words, you and I, we sold ourselves into sin. And we were chained up in our hurts, habits, hang-ups, and addictions. Things that were destroying our life and killing the people that we love the most. But then God came along and did something for you that you could not do for yourself. He paid the price for your sins in Jesus. Somebody say Amen. That is a gift. Jesus... You sold yourself into slavery and Jesus bought you back. That's what redemption means. He bought you back for the purpose of setting you free. So you no longer have to be a slave to sin, evil, and death because you have already been set free by a loving God. You just have to receive that gift and live into it. And here's another one. And I want you to really, really listen to this, friends. It's the heart of the Gospel. No matter what you've done in your past, somebody say no matter. No matter what you've done in your past, no matter how horrible, painful, or destructive it was to you or others, God has forgiven you according to the riches of His grace. You are forgiven. You are forgiven. You already belong. God has already accepted you. We need to wake up to that and live accordingly. You are forgiven. And when you are forgiven, you get a second chance at life. And if you're like me, you've probably had a hundred second chances. The Bible says that you are more than a collection of your worst decisions. Somebody needs to write that down. You are more than a collection of your worst decisions. Your life is not over no matter how bad it may seem right now. Because God loves you. God never gives up on you. And God always opens a way for a new future. A different future. A better future. And here's another blessing. In Christ, God has given you an eternal inheritance. As a child of God, as a brother or sister of Jesus, as part of God's family, you get to inherit all of the riches of God's grace. And nothing can take that inheritance away from you, even death. In fact, death is the entry into that inheritance, which takes the sting out of death. And finally, in Jesus, you have been sealed with the Holy Spirit. This means that you are never alone. Never. The Holy Spirit abides with you always, offering you every moment of every second of every day, offering you healing. Will you take it? Guidance. Will you take it? 
protection and encouragement and inspiration and help in ways that you can see and in ways that you cannot see. In ways that are obvious and in ways that are completely oblivious to you. Have you ever had that experience where God uses somebody, sends them to you at just the right time, and gives you a little bit more healing or a little bit more freedom and you didn't even anticipate it and you didn't even realize it until maybe weeks or months or years later and you're like, oh, that's right. God was at work. Even though I wasn't aware of it, God was there. Don't you know that God is for you? Not against you. So as we count and ponder these six blessings, it helps us to see that the breadth and the depth of God's gifting is beyond our capacity to understand. Because my suspicion is, if you're anything like me, that even if you took one of those blessings and pondered it all day long, you wouldn't be able to get to the bottom of the gift. It's like trying to capture the entirety of Niagara Falls in a delicate wine glass. It's not going to happen. Counting our blessings, is, it's, like, it's like trying to go down to 2nd Street North and count the grains of sand on the beach. Yet, somebody say yet? Yet there's something inside of us that's encouraging us to count our blessings anyway. To pay attention to the blessings of God all around us. And Paul tells us that this desire itself is a gift from God. Just you're wanting to count your blessings as a gift from God. And I think that one of the number one reasons why we sin across the board is that we operate on a scarcity mentality. We don't think we have, we don't think we have enough of what we need and desperately want. We don't have enough money. We don't have a big enough house or the car that we want or the new iPhone. And it's not just material goods. We think that we don't have enough love. We don't have enough acceptance, attention, appreciation, affection. Like, we don't have these things. We don't have enough control in our lives. And when we don't feel like we have enough, then we, can, we have this knee-jerk reaction to try to grab control of our lives and to get it for ourselves. And that is one of the number one things that causes you to violate the value system of the kingdom of God, to betray yourself and to betray others. We have got to start with the knowledge that comes from Scripture that we always already have enough. You always already have enough to be joyful and content in this moment. It doesn't mean that you can't want more for your life or for your family. But you must start with the understanding that you have everything that you need right now because there is a loving God who is pouring out the riches of His grace upon you. And I'm going to get going because this is a long sermon. And if you guys know, the 11 o'clock service will be upset if we go late. Right? Why do we have this desire to count our blessings? Because it helps us to maintain the right perspective and attitude in life. And perspective and attitude has a lot more to do with your happiness than you might originally think. Our perspective and attitude significantly affects the quality of our experience and how we act. And this is not simply true when things are going well for us. In fact, counting our blessings becomes even more important. Somebody say more important. 
It becomes more important when things are not going well, when we don't feel blessed, perhaps when we even feel cursed. All of us go through hard times. We experience disappointment, sadness, fear, loneliness, conflict, anger, guilt, estrangement, loss, grief, and lots of other things. People hurt us. And you know what? We hurt people. And we also hurt ourselves. And some of these things are out of our control. They're, they're thrust upon us and we have no choice but to deal with them. And other problems are of our own making. And we don't just wrestle with personal and interpersonal problems. We also live in a broken world plagued by systems of sin, evil, and death. What Paul calls the principalities and powers of this world, which manifest them think, themselves in things like tribal politics, racism, the moral corruption of our culture. And when we mix all of these big challenges, like uh, mix all the things, all the personal, interpersonal, and the systems of sin, evil, and death, when we mix all of that with, with other big challenges like a global pandemic, we might have a really hard time feeling blessed. And you don't have to respond out loud, but I just want you to ask yourself the question, has it been hard for you to feel blessed in 2020? I can tell you there are times when it's very difficult for me. And I have to grab my Bible and go to my porch with my coffee and be very intentional about counting my blessings to get into a different headspace. Right? Rather than feeling blessed, sometimes we feel deprived, victimized, and entitled. In our current context, the idea of counting our blessings seemed, it just seems like so 1950s, right? <laughs> so, so retro and nostalgic. Perhaps we used to feel blessed, but things have changed, and as B.B. King says so eloquently, the thrill is gone. And when we feel like this, it is difficult, even counterintuitive, to count our blessings. But this is precisely when it seems to count the most. While it is easy to capitulate to negativity, to wallow in self-pity, to incessantly complain, and to desperately grasp for more, this only makes things worse. And the Bible tells us that we have to fight against these impulses. Because it doesn't come natural to us. It takes effort. Focusing on all the things that we do not have will perpetuate and multiply our misery. But when we count our blessings, it gives God an opportunity to create a much-needed attitude adjustment. And reading passages like Ephesians 1 that talks about all the ways that God has already blessed us helps in this regard. When we count our blessings, we create a space in our hearts for the Holy Spirit to move, which changes our perspective, which then changes our experience, which then changes our approach, which then changes our decision-making, which then changes our outcomes, which then changes the quality of our lives. Do you see where it begins? As I said last Sunday, you cannot be happy unless you intentionally 
and regularly cultivate gratitude. It just ain't going to happen. And the way that we do this is by counting our blessings. Now in the Old Testament, blessings generally refer to material possessions, children, good crops, good health, and long life. And when we look at the story of Job, for example, we see this clearly. After his horrible ordeal, which was not his fault, he didn't deserve it, it says that God blessed him with, and I quote, let's see if you'd like this reward, 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. I, mean, I don't even know where I'd put all that stuff, right? Not to mention having to clean up after all those animals, but evidently it was a real blessing to Job. He also blessed Job with seven sons and three daughters because his children died and allowed him to live for another 140 years. In the New Testament, however, blessings generally refer to spiritual gifts, and perhaps the most famous of these are captured in the Beatitudes given by Jesus. In the Beatitudes, traditional notions of what it means to be blessed were turned completely upside down. Most people taught uh, most people who were taught Scripture by the scribes and Pharisees generally believed that the rich were blessed. But Jesus said that the poor are blessed. Most people believe that those in mourning, those whose hearts were broken, had been cursed or were being punished for their sins. But Jesus says that those who mourn are the ones who were blessed and will be comforted by God. Most thought that strength and might, top-down, decisive power were signs of divine blessing. But Jesus said that the meek will inherit the earth. Not the strong, not the powerful, not the violent. The meek will inherit the earth. Most thought that if you had plenty to eat and drink, then you were blessed. But Jesus said that those who hunger and thirst after righteousness are the ones who are blessed by God. In addition, the Apostle Paul speaks of the blessing that comes to a person who endures temptation. How many of you guys have been tempted lately? <laughs> um, I think that's all of us, right? Every day. James says, there is a blessing that comes from those who don't just capitulate to temptation, but who actively fight it as a follower of Jesus. And this is what that blessing is. He says in James 1.12, such a one will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love Him. There's a blessing. And going back to Ephesians, Paul says that we have blessings galore. We have been chosen, adopted, forgiven, and promised an inheritance. And in all of these passages, we are encouraged to open our eyes and to see, really see, the ways that God has always blessed us and continues to bless us. And not only to see these blessings, but to let them register on our hearts, to receive them, to ponder them, to delight in them, to treasure them, and to celebrate them. When is the last time you celebrated your blessings? 
We call our worship ministry celebration ministries because Christians ought to be in the business of partying all the time. It's not the kind of partying that happens downtown. They are intended, these gifts, they are intended to nurture our spirits, to encourage our hearts, to shape our thinking, and to influence our behavior. And when we do this, something happens inside of us. God transforms our desire, ridding us, tearing out by the roots selfishness. Here's a big one. Fear, which drives almost all of our sinfulness. God rids us of entitlement. I deserve to have more. And replaces those things with good gifts like gratitude, peace, joy, love, and, somebody say and, a desire to be a blessing to others. If you don't have a desire to bless other people, something's gone wrong. You have not truly seen, received, appreciated the gifts of God. Because you can't do that and not be spilling over with a desire to want to share those with others. And friends, we cannot create this change in our hearts on our own. We try, but we can't. It's only something that God can do through us as we are obedient in things like counting our blessings every day. According to the New Testament, an essential part of being a follower of Jesus is to generously give ourselves to others. To live according to self-sacrificial love and be a blessing to others. And there's not much neutral ground here. And I don't want to sound kind of harsh and black and white, but I just need to tell you what the Bible says. The way that we live and relate to others inevitably has a negative or positive charge. Every single interaction. And in the Old Testament, God gives the Israelites a clear choice by saying this, and I quote, Today I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live. When we choose to obey God in the way that we live and relate to people, then we are a blessing to others. Every person we come in contact with. But, whether we realize it or not, and whether we're willing to admit it or not, when we live contrary to God, serving our own selfish interests, we end up being a curse to others. Not in the sense of, you know, witches doing curses. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever felt cursed by someone? Clearly, this is not what God wants for us. Paul says in our reading for today that we have received every spiritual blessing from God, and these blessings are intended to be shared. According to Scripture, people who are blessed do not act in ways that curse others. People who are blessed do not listen to complainers and naysayers. One of the most important things that you can do for your own emotional and spiritual health 
is to have really good boundaries with complainers and to only lend them an ear to the extent that you can help them. Because the Bible says that when you are blessed, you do not enable people to incessantly complain. You will not bring them up, they will bring you down. If you know that to be true, somebody say amen. People who are blessed do not live with a sense of entitlement. I'm entitled to an exception. I'm entitled to more. Give me, give me, give me. No, they live with a sense of gratitude. People who are blessed generously share their blessings with others. People who are blessed are vividly aware of their blessedness and they're not proud. Pride goeth before the fall. They are humbled by how blessed they are. Have you ever thought that? Count your blessings and you go, Lord, my goodness, I don't deserve any of this. And then finally, people who are blessed see the sacred and holy in every aspect of life. And this last point is incredibly important. And I want to finish with it this morning. If you have read the New Testament, you know that Paul underwent incredible suffering. He was shipwrecked. Can you imagine that? Now, if you're on a cruise ship and it gets shipwrecked, you're going to be uncomfortable, but you got the Coast Guard to come get you. Paul didn't have that. I mean, I want you to imagine how horrifying it would have been to be shipwrecked. He was imprisoned. He was beaten to an inch of his life. He was struck by sickness. He was betrayed. He was railroaded by false accusations. And he was deeply misunderstood by his friends. But Paul always, somebody say always, Paul always regarded himself as blessed. Even in the worst of it. It's not just that he was blessed when things were going well and cursed when things were going bad. No, he truly believed that regardless of his circumstances, that God was with him and that God had given him everything that he needed in that moment to find some sense of joy and contentment, even in prison. To simply draw breath is to experience the presence of God and to be blessed in all circumstances. And this helps us to understand Paul's instructions in 1 Thessalonians 5 where he says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now be obedient and see what happens. This is a tough pill to swallow. I know. It is hard. And probably an impossible task without the help of God. To give thanks in all circumstances. Even when life seems unbearable, we are to count our blessings. Especially when life is unbearable, we are to count our blessings and seek to be a blessing to others. And when we do this, friends, it changes our lives. Transformation is not a magic trick. You have to invest in it. And as we are faithful and obedient to God in things as these, our lives are transformed. People who know they are blessed and celebrate their blessings 
are given new eyes to see the world around them. And suddenly, they see blessings everywhere. And they see opportunities to bless, every, uh, bless others everywhere too. Now, I'm not toot my own horn um, because I, was, I wrote this sermon and I knew I was going to preach this morning, so I wanted to at least practice once what I was preaching before I got here. And so me and Alan and Renato paddled out to surf this morning, and it was horrible. I didn't catch a single wave. Not a single wave. It was so small and weak. And I tried to, instead of complaining about the waves, which I did a little bit, right? I mean, I'm human. But what I said was, but it's a beautiful morning. The sunrise is gorgeous. The water is beautiful. It's cool and refreshing. And we get to hang out with friends. It's good to be alive, right? Even when things aren't going our way, if you know you're blessed and you're celebrating those blessings, you see blessings everywhere and you see opportunities to be a blessing too. So according to the Jewish collection of teachings known as the Talmud, we should recite a hundred blessings each day. One every ten minutes of our waking lives. Now this might seem impossible, but it's rather easy for people who are blessed because they see God's blessing in almost everything. And for them, gratitude is a way of life. Do you count your blessings? Do you count your blessings even on bad days? One way to do this is to get a journal. I've tried to do this. I'm better in certain weeks than others. But get a journal and write down at least three things every day for which you are grateful. And as you do this, don't just rattle off the same thing every day, but be thoughtful and try to see blessings and things that aren't quite as obvious. Blessings that you may be missing. And I'm wondering if you were to start doing this today, what would be on that list? And don't just stop there because remember, you're called to be a blessing to others. So commit yourself every day to blessing others at least three times and write that in your journal too. Even small blessings. Letting someone go before you in the, in the grocery store line. Saying, smiling at somebody and saying, who, saying hello to someone who looks like they're struggling. It can be something small. But bless other people. And you might even develop two col columns in your journal. Blessings received and blessings given. And then see what happens to your life as you do this consistently for several weeks and then periodically go back and reread it. See what happens to the quality of your experience and the helpfulness of your actions. See what happens to the way that you see and value yourself and your life and the way that you see and value others. The promise of Scripture, my friends, is that when we are obedient to God and counting our blessings and sharing our blessings, then God is faithful to transform us so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Which is the goal, right? The question before us this morning is very simple. Will you at least try? Let us pray. God, we are so blessed. But it's so easy for us to take our blessings for granted. And we often don't realize how blessed we are until something happens and some of our blessings are taken away. 
or until we go somewhere that is different and see people in great need, that also can help us to remember that we're blessed. Forgive us, God, when we operate on a scarcity mentality, when we focus on what we don't have, when we get entitled and start acting in selfish ways that hurt others, hurt you, and hurt ourselves. Help us to know, God, that every day that we wake up and draw breath, that you pour out the riches of your grace upon us and give us eyes to see those blessings and hearts to receive those blessings and let them change us in ways that will make us more like Jesus so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.